We heard this morning a story sandwich. You heard it and could see it pretty clearly because Samuel read one of the stories and Christy read the other one, and Samuel's was around Christy's story. And that is a common thing to happen in the Gospels. And uh, there's a lot of interesting things to say about why these two might be sandwiched together. And I've preached that sermon. I've pre- that, preached that sermon, in fact, a few times. And living with the text this time, I found myself drawn again and again to that central moment. The moment when the woman's hand touches the hem of Jesus' robe. I see that moment vividly as an image. And Marsha selected an image for the front of your communicators that you can see. It's not, there are many, of course, artistic representations of that moment. This is one of them. And it's not necessarily exactly what I see in my mind's eye, but it gives you a sense of that, that sort of still snapshot of a moment. And as I focus on that moment of the touch, I can even begin, like the vignette feature when you're editing a digital image, like an Instagram or some other app or on your computer, the vignette allows you to sort of darken and blur the edges of the image, which brings your focus even more in on that moment. And that's what sort of happens in my mind's eye as I see that moment of the touch, that precise moment, that light, almost imperceptible touch. A woman having bled and suffered for 12 long years reaches out for her healing. It's a powerful image and a powerful moment. And indeed, I mean that in its most literal form. It was a moment full of power. Jesus confirms as much in the story. Mark tells us that immediately upon touching the hem of Jesus' robe, the woman's bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of the disease right in that moment. And, Mark tells us, that at precisely that same moment, Jesus was immediately aware that power had gone forth from him. We just sang in our hymn, I don't don't quite go with the hymn writer's version, but virtue stole. But there's that stealing, the power flows from Jesus directly to the woman right at that moment. So this is a powerful moment, full of power. So it turns out that it's not just a moment, but it's a moment that contains a movement. So when I see this now, it's sort of like... I don't know what that power sounds like flowing from Jesus to the woman, but there's a movement in the moment. And that makes me think of when the iPhone went through an update and introduced that live photo feature. I don't know if that's on other phone cameras as well. Do you have that live feature where the image kind of moves a little bit until it settles into the still? That's sort of what this moment then becomes for me, is that there's that little movement into the moment. 
Honestly, that little live feature kind of freaks me out, so I turned it off immediately. But every now and then somebody sends me a photo that's still in that mode. It just happened yesterday. In fact, just yesterday I learned that you can touch it and you can then hear the sounds. I didn't even know that before. Anyway, it's a little bit weird. But that's how I'm seeing this moment, is that little bit of movement that leads to the moment. Jesus, when he, he, he feels that power leave him, he stops and he seeks her out, he looks for her, he seems to sincerely not know who it was that extracted that power from him, and he seems to want to know who it was that without his knowing or his choosing seized power from his body. He wants to know who that person was, to encounter that person, perhaps to gaze upon that person with wonder, and with awe. Have you ever stood in the presence of someone who was seizing their own healing? I have. On many occasions, but I think I recall in particular um, a friend who, um, after losing so much, I mean just thing after thing, person after person in her life, in the midst of so much loss. I remember um, talking with her and bearing witness to her astonishing openness and her readiness, even her eagerness to journey with God into the unknown and to face the empty canvas as an invitation and a challenge to paint something new. When everything that previously had been steady in her life was stripped away and she stood at the edge of that unknown, she stood there alone with God, ready to step in, ready to listen and to learn, to grow and transform, to imagine and to build anew. And I thought I would be crumpled on the floor, weeping in the face of so much loss. And here she is stepping into the unknown with her God. And I stood in wonder at that wonder of a human being seizing her own healing. I'm still gripped by that incredible gift of being able to bear witness to that. It's a pretty amazing thing to be able to stand in the presence of someone who's stepping into their healing. Which brings me to the reach, to the audacity of the reach in order to seize her own healing. The woman who heard about Jesus, who came up behind to touch his cloak, first had to reach. And physically she had to do that. She had to reach out her arm, and we've seen a couple representations on the communicator communicator, and then with the kids in the storybook. So she physically had to reach out her arm in order to touch Jesus. But she also had the audacity to reach out emotionally and spiritually and communally. Her bleeding for 12 years had made her ritually unclean. Not sinful, it's not the same, and I don't have the time to go into all of that right now, but unclean and therefore precluded from religious and social life. And by taking her place in the crowd, just by stepping into the crowd, By touching not only the hem of Jesus' robe, but who knows how many others and the jostling of the large crowd that was pressing in on Jesus. She had to be touching lots of people at that time, which she was not supposed to do. 
By doing that, she claimed space for herself, embodying her belonging in the community. She said, I am one of you and I belong. And by stepping out from her imposed isolation, she enacted her social and religious healing, refusing any longer to be complicit in her marginalization. So right there is the audaciousness of the reach. In our story, it's the audacity of her stepping into the crowd and then the audacity of her reach paired with that transformation that happens through touch that Jesus eventually names that pairing, the reach and the touch, as faith. He says, your faith, your willingness to step into this crowd, to reach out, the touch that we experience together, that is faith, and that has made you well. It's those two things together that lead to her healing. So now we have our semi-weird live mode photo that has the, you know, movement in the moment. And even that, it turns out, is not quite adequate to describe what's going on here. So the next place that my imagination goes is a Hogwarts-style portrait from the Harry Potter books, because we need even more movement than just that little in the live photo. It's an image that really moves, that travels back in time to the moment that her audacious reach began when the woman decided to enter the fray and embody and enact her belonging. And then that movement carries through to that moment with the movement. So now our woman seizing her own healing image is a Hogwarts portrait of that movement toward a moment that contains a movement. Well, that's all fine and good, you may be thinking, but what happens when we just can't seize our own healing? When that seems beyond our capacity for any number of an infinite number of reasons? What happens when we aren't even living in the suburbs of audacity? When we can't find audacity on a map, what happens then? What happens when we're paralyzed, making the whole movement toward the moment with the movement impossible? Impossible to step into. Well, this is where I go back to one of the finer points of this woman's story, and that is this. Twelve years. 12 years of suffering. This woman's story of seizing her own healing doesn't begin the moment she began the movement of her audacious reach because there are at least 12 years of suffering that led to that moment before the reach, which makes plain to me and resonates with the truth I've encountered in my own experience and in the experience of those around me, many of you, is this. There is no formula for healing. There's no one-size-fits-all approach for the alchemy, the mysterious divine alchemy of the audacious reach combined with that transformative touch that leads to faith and healing. There's no scientific process for approaching God 
to seize your own healing. And even in a singular life, what may work, and I'm going to put that in quotes one time, may not work the next time. So I do want to hone in on one more piece of the woman's story before we turn our gaze from its powerful and healing mystery um, that's not explainable in a scientific or formulaic way. Some biblical commentators make much of Jesus calling the woman daughter. By claiming her as family, he restores her to the community, they say. And that's in part true, but as I've already insinuated, she seems to embody that restoration herself just by walking into the crowd and taking up all the space that she takes up. She seems to say, I am daughter, I am sister, I am member of this community, I am here, I belong. And so, everything Jesus says to her in this encounter, when he turns around and seeks her out and she comes forward, everything he says to her seems to be descriptive rather than prescriptive. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. But all that's already happened. Remember that at the moment of the touch, she already knew in her body that she was healed of her disease. And her faith had already made her well. She was already restored as daughter and sister by virtue of placing her body in the crowd. So what Jesus says to her just describes what has already happened. Isn't that amazing? So what seems really important to me in that, because what Jesus is doing is really just sort of describing what has happened, what seems really important to me then happens just before that when, when Jesus describes her healing. Mark tells us that the woman fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. I've been thinking a lot about that whole truth in the last week or so. Perhaps the greatest gift of healing that Jesus offers and extends to the woman in this story because she's already sort of taken the power from him and found her own healing. So I think that one of the greatest bits of healing that Jesus extends to this woman is standing there long enough as she tells the whole truth. Reportedly without interruption or questioning, I don't hear in Jesus any doubting or disbelieving of her truth, her story. The woman tells the whole truth of her experience, and she does so in the presence of that crowd that still must be around, pressing in on Jesus. So she's telling her whole truth in the presence of the crowd, and I can only presume that she is also telling the truth of that crowd and how they have treated her in the past 12 years. This crowd, her supposed community, and how they have responded to her in those 12 long years of suffering. And Jesus stands and creates space for her to tell her whole truth. Jesus not only listens, but in his stopping and in his silence, he creates the conditions for the crowd to listen to. To listen to the woman's voice as she tells the whole truth of her experience. Now that's healing. 
So, now our Hogwarts portrait of a woman seizing her own healing. Through those years of suffering, the reaching, the audaciousness of the reach, the movement toward that moment with a movement, and then the spaciousness for truth-telling. There's our whole Hogwarts moving portrait (laughs) of a woman seizing her healing. And if not complete, it's at least more complete than where we started with the still of that moment. It tells a truer, fuller story. We have that audacious reach, the movement toward, the moment of touch, the transferred power through that touch, and then the truth-telling about harm and suffering. Again, this is not a scientific process to apply to ourselves, a step-by-step guide to healing, but it is a powerful, moving image with invitation. Today, in our service, we offer anointing for any who would like to receive that gift. And whether or not you come to be anointed today, you may choose to remain in your seat for reflection and prayer and song. We'll be singing together during this time. I invite you, whether you come forward or whether you choose to stay in your seat, um, rooted in our gospel story for today, to distill to a word or a phrase or an image your experience of suffering, perhaps long suffering, or perhaps it's your longing to belong, to be restored in community. Or the third invitation is the healing you wish to seize, or the audacious reach for God's healing presence. So whichever one of those feels most poignant for where you are in your own life and your own journey, I invite you to imagine how you might capture that in a word or a phrase or a moving image. You may come for anointing ready to speak that word or phrase or image aloud, or you may come in silence, and again, you may also stay in your seat and continue to sing and pray and reflect. We're going to have two of us offering anointing since one of our pastors woke up with a fever and chills and no voice. Pastor Amy, alas, is not with us. And uh, Jonathan and Melanie were with Pacific Northwest Mennonite Conference this weekend, and so they are still on their way back home. I invited Weldon to step into anointing among us this morning, and graciously he has agreed. So Weldon and I will each be offering anointing. He will be back towards the organ, and I'll be back here towards the um, steps if you would like to come to one of us. And I thought about inviting a third into anointing, and then I thought, you know, with our story of seizing our own healing in the empty space where Pastor Amy was going to be, I'm going to place the oil over there along the side of the wall. And if you would like to come either to anoint yourself Or perhaps to ask someone near you if they would be willing to anoint you. There's an open station here. Christy has also agreed to be available and ready. And so if the lines are long and you want an anointing, Christy is also willing to be tapped and to come to the open station for anointing.
Let us sing then in your Purple Sing the Story songbooks number 49. I will come to you in the silence. And we're going to sing the chorus after each verse uh, for this song. And Weldon, I invite you to come forward now and um, just offer one more word.